0: Content Warning, this episode contains real-life experiences of youth talking about mental health challenges such as eating disorders, suicide, racism, trauma, and sexual violence, which might be disturbing to listeners. I'm
1: DeAndre Avant. I was 20 when I wrote an essay during the pandemic. It was chosen for Speaking Our Truths, The ISM Youth Files, a project produced by Media Rights in Portland, Oregon. The ISM Youth Files marks a time when many youth face mental health challenges. Media rights asked BIPOC youth and youth with disabilities to write about their experiences when life as we knew it stopped and evolved. In the past three years, many youth were experiencing loss and difficulty navigating a new reality. First you're growing up, and then this happened. It tore apart what we thought life would be. Media rights received many personal stories, poetry, and short graphic novels. Twenty young people around the country and one from India were chosen for the book, Speaking Our Truths. I am DeAndre Yvonne, 22 now, living in Boston, Massachusetts, and I am one of the writers for the ISM Youth Files Project. In April of 2020, for two weeks I was in lockdown on my floor of the building where I lived. I had just started to live in a shelter for a youth program called Bridge Over Troubled Waters, and we couldn't leave because the staff caught COVID and we all had to stay within the building. If we left, we couldn't come back for two weeks. So I did a lot of talking on the phone and I did a lot of praying and I did a lot of hoping as I quarantined in this building because other people around me are getting this new disease. I had a bad year, losing a job and not having money and praying for a miracle. My prayers were answered when I got into this program. Then COVID hit, but looking back on it now, I feel like now COVID has kind of given everyone a second chance at life. and a second chance of building a better society. It's just a shame that it took a pandemic to get people to realize that. Here are some of the other writers in the ISM Youth Files Project.
2: My name is Catherine Elliott. I'm 16 and I'm from Washington.
3: I'm Kiona Birch. I'm 16 years old and I'm from Washougal,
4: Washington. I'm Jerenu. I am 17 years old and I'm located in Mystic, Connecticut.
5: Hi, I am Kylan Hattie Lucio and I am
6: from Lower Sioux Reservation in Minnesota. I'm Isabella Santana.
7: I'm 18 years old and I live in Torrance, California. I'm Trini Fang. I'm 17 years old. I'm from Crystal Lake, Illinois.
1: Episode one, and that happened. Filipina-American Katherine Elliott was 15 when her school shut down. She's now 17 and goes to Summit Olympus High School in Tacoma, Washington.
2: At the beginning, I thought it was going to be fun. Because, <laughs> you know, two weeks off, you know, you don't have to go to school or you don't have to leave your room. You can go to school in your pajamas. But as it progressed and it like It slowly got more lonely. I didn't see my friends. I couldn't hang out with anyone. And every day started to feel like the same thing over and over. I would say my family, they didn't really care too much about remote learning. My mom just knew that I was really lonely and bored. And she said that she wanted to change it to make it better for us, especially for students and I think she was happy because there wasn't a lot of traffic going to work. Well, as the pandemic like progressed into the new school year, people started turning off their cameras and like it was just a wall of black screens. And that I think that's also why it was hard to see each other in person because we didn't know what we looked like anymore.
1: Catherine wrote Singularity to describe the isolation and the feeling of being left out that she felt.
2: I am like a shadow in the back of the room. Everyone knows I'm there, but nobody acknowledges my presence. The chair beside me is empty. Many, many times I have seen that. The emptiness threatens to swallow me whole, consuming my thoughts and filling me with nothingness, and yet everything at once. I can feel the tangle of unspoken words gnawing in the back of my mind, trying to make itself known. And if you need to be reminded, sometimes it's okay to cry, sometimes it's okay to have feelings, and sometimes it's okay to not be okay. No matter how many times you are pushed down, always get back up. Not because you want recognition, but to let others know that they're not alone either. All humans are born with a natural hatred toward others, but it's up to you whether or not to overcome that with the goodness inside.
3: My name is built on an uneven middle, 5,000 kilometers farther from one dusty half. It is not who I am. It is not the magnificent cities of ice, the bustling chaos and noise, the knowledge my ancestors were proud of. It is not where I'm from. Shanghai the Yu. My name is the one secure connection, bridging me to two separate worlds. The last reminder that I belong to Chinese family gatherings where they speak to me in fluent Mandarin. I can only respond in short fragments.
1: Kiona Birch is 16 years old, living in Washougal, Washington. Now she goes to a boarding school in Northfield, Massachusetts. But at the time of the pandemic, she was 14, trying to make sense of the changes in her life
3: so I didn't really hear much about the pandemic before it was actually like a really big thing and at that time I didn't really pay attention to the news so I didn't even really know much about it But my parents pulled me out of school a week before it closed because they were scared for me. And at that time, like, I didn't know much about it. I really didn't understand that it was going to be such a huge pandemic that would disrupt life so much. And I thought it was really unfair that I couldn't go to school when all all of my friends were going. So I ended up begging them to let me go to a band concert. That was that Monday. And so I went. But for the rest of the week, like, I was just not at school. And at that time, they didn't really have the online learning set up. So I was sort of just like catching up on assignments at home and watching videos and stuff. And then after spring break, which is around the time school closed, they started getting online learning set up and there were video calls and things like that. So I think at the beginning, especially like from that time when school first closed to like the end of the first summer was pretty bad. That's one of the worst spots for my mental health that there's been. And and it was worse, made worse by the fact that I was pulled out of school early and I felt like a lot more isolated. I couldn't see my friends and school was a lot harder too, like online because there wasn't really any physical deadline. It was all just you have to turn it in online. And even now, that's kind of like something that I forget to do. (laughs) So that was difficult for me to adjust to. And I remember specifically on my birthday being really upset because no one remembered and I wasn't able to have a party because that was really only like one month into the pandemic. And it was hard for my parents to get me a gift too because it was like shipping was an issue and there was so much going on and disrupting everything. So that was a huge thing. And it really took me a while to get used to the fact that we would have to be isolated and this was going to be a whole new change and it wouldn't really ever be the same. So that took a lot of time to get used to. And I'm not really like a social person either. I'm an introvert, but like I didn't really have a support system and I didn't really have anyone to talk to. And I'm really bad at talking to people online or like reaching out. So that was difficult.
1: Kiona found comfort in writing poetry. Being in isolation with her family also gave her time to reflect on an earlier time when she had a fight with her mom.
3: That is why I hold you while your sobs twist my heart, how I know what to say when you are sad, why I hide the pain I'm facing, how I learn to cry, silent and alone. You shouldn't worry about me. That is why I work harder, strive for perfection, tell you my successes so you can be proud of your daughter, so you can know I am everything I am because of you.
1: Kaitlyn O'Neill is a 16-year-old biracial Vietnamese American who lives in Tigert, Oregon. She goes to Oregon Episcopal School. At the time, she was used to performing in school events and recitals.
8: So for me, the pandemic started in eighth grade, so my last year of middle school. So definitely trying to balance surviving the pandemic and academics was quite challenging. A lot of the extracurriculars I did, like piano and dance and singing, all got pretty cut because the performing arts definitely took a toll because of no in-person audiences, no live performances. So it was definitely a struggle, but I was able to find my own ways of adapting, whether that was Zoom classes or taking some time on my own to work on my art. For me, I was definitely on the more cautious side with COVID. So I definitely experienced anxiety around, you know, being safe. My grandmother lives at home with me, so making sure, you know, I I do my part to not bring it back home to the family. So even if that meant I can't, you know, hang out with a bunch of friends after school just to limit my exposure to it was something that I had to, I had to take on as one of my responsibilities. I think while I was reflecting on the the pandemic, really how many things I had actually taken for granted and how because of the sudden hit that COVID was, how they all kind of sprung out at once, whether, again, that was, you know, being able to see friends or just talk to teachers in the hallways instead of emailing them, getting to see friends, taking walks around, traveling was a big one too. So just taking all of that in and writing that into poetry. Taken for granted. For the past two years, I took it for granted. I'll admit, I took it for granted, it being the friendly greetings in the hall, it being the smiles on faces too familiar to forget, it being the hustle and bustle of crowded streets under sunlit clouds, it being the delicate touch and physical energy of others, it being the group photos with messy hair and imperfect smiles, the sense of security in our communities bonded by steel-made cables, and finding comfort in the presence of people who make up the mechanics of our memories. Yet, we rarely stop to think. Think about what we've lost and endured, but lost isn't simply something misplaced. Rather, the experience is never to be had, the forgotten joy of others and the people we can never get back. And endured can never hold the weight of how we survived on LED lit screens, mental health so fractured that a broken vase seems more put together, and periods of isolation spanning what seem like eras without beginning or end. So I'm an only child. So definitely being isolated at home without being able to really connect with my friends. Of course, there's internet and social media, but not having that in-person communication definitely was pretty challenging for me, especially for how long that it was in my family and myself always super cautious. So that meant no hanging out of friends' houses or going to eat dinner out and seeing friends. So I think, yeah, definitely the aspect of no like social interactions hit the hardest.
1: Relying on a social life online changed many youth in unexpected ways. In May, 2020, suspected suicide attempts began to increase among adolescents aged 12 to 17 years, especially girls. That's according to the Center for Disease Controls, Morbidity and Suicide Report. Isabella Santana is the youngest of triplet sisters in Torrance, California. In grade school, kids used to call her Dora the Explorer because she spoke Spanish. When she entered high school, she befriended other Hispanics and felt a sense of community. When COVID hit, she was 15 years old and her sense of self started to change.
6: I was on a diet before COVID started and I was about to like, just, just be like, this isn't my time, this is my energy and just move on. But when COVID hit, there was this social frenzy to like get fit, lose weight, you know, eat healthy. And that diet turned into... Anorexia, basically, it it spiraled really, really quick into really, really, s- like, scarily underweight and not healthy in any way. You know, I started I started because I thought I was gonna get healthy. I thought losing weight was gonna make me healthy, which it d- it didn't. No, <laughs> it did not. It made me extremely unhealthy, extremely weak. I was 15 and I was having like the heart issues of like an 80 because my heart was so weak from malnutrition and. It's, like, terrifying. That would have never happened, had it not— it would have never gotten that bad, had it not been for the pandemic, because I was alone in my room. It began on March 13, 2020, when the world went into a total shutdown. My spiral downward started with a physical decline. A simple diet that began after New Year's Day started into anorexia nervosa. In June, my family loaded itself into our car and drove all the way to Wickenburg, Arizona. I spent two and a half months at an eating disorder facility where I faked recovery and happiness. I came home in a good physical condition, but eager to relapse. I wanted to relapse, and that's exactly what I did. I lost my sense of family values. I stopped listening to my parents and their advice. I pushed my sisters away. I did not want anybody's concern or help.
1: Warning. The following might be difficult to hear. During her isolation, the online images increased her eating disorder. Isabella attempted to end her own life. Luckily, that's when she got the help she needed.
6: And at first, my parents were really against me getting treatment. They didn't think it was necessary. They thought they could do it, like we could do it as a family together, ourselves and work through it. But they soon learned that that wasn't the case. And once they learned that that was the case, they went all in and they just did as much research as they could. They fought a bunch of insurance, not fought, but, you know, appealed insurance many, many times to get the proper covers and they did for my treatment. They worked really hard so that they could pay for it. They worked really, really hard to be able, for me to be able to stay in treatment. And I'm eternally grateful for that.
1: We'll be hearing more from Isabella Santana about her journey to wellness and more episodes of the ISM Youth Files. All of our writers are featured in the book, Speaking Our Truths, available on all platforms where books are sold. It's also on the Media Rights website, where you can also download a free mental health toolkit. Just go to Meteorites.org. When we come back, youth worry about their family members. I'm DeAndre Yvonne, one of the writers of the ISM Youth Files.
5: You know, being Native American, I lived with a lot of family, such as, like, my grandparents, my uncles, my aunties, my cousins. And then once we moved to Springfield, it was just me, my mom, my brothers, and my sister. So it was kind of a weird transition to do that because we were used to having so much family around.
1: Kylan Hattie Lucio is 16 years old, and now lives in Springfield, Minnesota. The town is just outside of the Lower Sioux Reservation where she grew up. Life was hard for Kylan before the pandemic and her mom decided the family should move from the reservation. It was hard adjusting to a new home and school.
5: I was still in shock over everything and the pandemic just made it really worse in a way because I wasn't able to like get out and go out to dinner with my friends or something like I would have. Or maybe like some of the activities that Lower Sioux offers. Some of those things make me happy, but I wasn't able to do any of those because I was just so down in my head and I wasn't able to because of the pandemic. So usually at Lower Sioux, we have these like events that everyone is welcome to and some of the elders will come out some of the kids will come out and go to these activities it could be like going to sweat or it could be like learning how to make a teepee or even just like simple cultural sports like lacrosse and we weren't able to do any of those things because of covid so i think that's what led a lot of people to become like super depressed and I feel like it was definitely harder on my sister. She's very energetic and she loves going places. And I noticed that now we are having a tough time with her. With my brother, Takoja, I feel like he got more sad and depressed than anything. I feel like him not being able to see his friends or go to school was hard for him. I think that might also have affected my mental health during this time because I was so worried about everyone, especially my mom because she was doing it all on her own. I mean, we did have my grandparents, but we were always going out, so we didn't really want to be around them too much because if we were to get COVID, we didn't want to pass it on to them because of the pandemic. The title is Zikala Shawin by Kylan Hattie Lucio, and it means red bird woman, which is also cardinal woman. I am glad I get to teach my younger siblings and cousins the right path. I can help lead them to the red road. The red road in native culture is the positive and sacred path, basically the good path of life. I have four siblings in order, They are Takoja, Hayden, Samia, and Tokala. I don't live with Hayden and I barely see him because we have different moms but the same dad. Takoja means grandchild in my language. He is 13 years old currently. Samia is just a name my mom loved because it's kind of like her name, Sammy. Samia is five years old and looks like my mini-me. Tokala means fox in my language. Tokala is two years old and he looks like a mini of Taco. Taco is Takoja's nickname. I love my siblings so much. I hope I am a good role model for them. I prioritize school and my mental health so I can hopefully be that good role model. I plan to graduate and go to college to be a teacher, a therapist, or a writer. I would love to teach young children art. I would also love to be a therapist to help people with their mental health. My childhood was good, but there were a couple bumpy roads.
1: Kylan's Bumpy Road will be featured in upcoming episodes of the ISM Youth Files.
4: All right. So, yeah, my piece is called COVID. We went through that and it means, honestly, like a multitude of different
1: things. Jernia identifies as mixed race and she lives in Mystic, Connecticut. She wrote her piece originally in the summer of 2020. She was in the theater camp as a youth counselor and was assigned to write a monologue about her COVID experience.
4: I was basically just assigned this. I actually didn't really want to. At that point, it was like everything, I was almost like ignoring what was happening because it was so present and real at that time still. He and I were separated for three months. On my side, I breathed shared air within four walls, and on his side, his breath was filtered through a P100 respirator mask for 12 hours on end. He was one of the lucky ones, my mom says. He used his resources well to get that gas mask, and his resources weren't from the hospital he had thrown his life at. I remember the day well, when he sent us a picture of him all decked out in his new gowns dressed all the way down in multiple layers of armor cloth of polyester. And all I could conjure was, this can't be real, is it? Where I don't get the heroic stories of nursing from my dad, I get it from my friend, whose mother is also a healthcare worker. She remembers when it first started, her mom said, don't worry about it. But then her mother watched all of them die right there in those hospital beds. Those 3 million people. Summer of 2020 worldwide deaths three million out of 7.7 billion 7.6 billion left though it's a small drop it's a drop nonetheless why do i feel like nobody is really talking about that we weren't ready for it she said her mother made them as comfortable as she could while she held each of their hands and felt them slip away while they reached for their strangled last breath our parents nurses doctors and surgeons are living breathing warriors troops and saints but that sure as hell didn't come without its pains
1: though she worried about her father as an essential worker journey says she had some survivor's guilt she actually enjoyed being at home during shutdowns
4: at the beginning of at least when covid hit connecticut so when all of our school started to close down and I actually, you know, went one distance, I actually went into a big, what you could call a spiritual awakening. Or really just kind of like a wake up call. And I actually, it kind of revamped my whole person. And that, that's really the positive side of it. I went through like many, like clearing out many blockages of my life and really just becoming my full and embodied self. And I continue to this day during the pandemic and quarantine at our home from school. It was uh you know, sitting in front of a computer for maybe a couple hours and a lunch break. We actually for my school had a two hour lunch break. It was beautiful. Loved it. I I didn't have my license at the time, but you know, I would I would go out for walks where I could then go outside. It was lovely during the summer I did a lot of yoga meditating, just like resetting myself. I am definitely just like in general, a work-from-home person, I'd say. And yeah, the only people that were supervising me were my parents.
1: Trini Feng, now 17, lives in Crystal Lake, Illinois. She says she also thrived during at-home learning and found more inclusion in online communities.
7: When I was younger, I don't think I noticed it as much, but since the pandemic, when I had been online a lot, I had also been in a lot of spaces where there were a lot of Asian people, like more than I had met in person before. And getting to talk with them a lot about so many things and being around like a very easily diverse community kind of raised my awareness that this wasn't exactly something normal or something like my feelings before. i had always felt like it was maybe normal to kind of not so easily admit something about your culture because you worry worried it'd be different from others. But after the pandemic, I kind of realized that it wasn't normal to
4: feel like excluded.
1: Trini wrote about that in her essay, How We Speak Our Truth.
7: There was something unique about this form of communication. For the first time, I was talking with people who might look like me. I've lived in the suburbs all my life. My neighborhood is quiet, peaceful, and incredibly white. I could count on my fingers the other Asian people in my school, and I rarely ever got the chance to talk with them. Online was different. I met so many BIPOC people, including other Asians like me, and they made me feel like I wasn't alone in a way i never experienced before. When in-person events were shut down, I found myself reaching for something, anything else that could fill that hole of interaction. And yes, online communication filled the void at first, but it grew beyond that. I confessed secrets about myself I hadn't before, and realized truths to myself I hadn't quite connected. All the while, a supportive community stood behind me, encouraging me to continue growing and expressing my truth in all the ways that I wanted and deserve. Of course, it wasn't the same as in-person communication. The friendships I made online at that time are bonds I want to keep forever. We were there for each other at our worst, and they taught me to climb up from that hole. I learned to be a better person. We taught each other about the world, sharing comments from other people that hurt us or the things we observed that cut even deeper. Those conversations, more than anything else, showed me I have a duty to the people around me. Even if I don't understand their experience, especially if I don't, I want to make sure I show love above all. This comes with watching my boundaries, respecting labels, and most importantly, reaching out to make sure others feel comforted and at ease. While we were all stuck at home, I began practicing the ways in which I could be a better person to others. I learned where I stood in the world, and it was not to step over
1: someone else,
7: but to share my space with them and ask for mutual respect.
1: Mutual respect. Youth would be asking for that for themselves and for the world around them on the next episode, Tune in for World on Fire. We'll hear more youth tell us about how they changed during the pandemic and how they spoke out for social justice as they maintained their mental wellness. This is the ISM Youth Files. For more info about this project and the book, Speaking Our Truths, visit mediarights.org. I'm DeAndre Avant.
0: The ISM Youth Files Project received support from Ronnie LaCroote, the Regional Arts and Culture Council, the James F. and Marion L. Miller Foundation, the Oregon Arts Commission, the Collins Foundation, Oregon Humanities, Oregon Community Foundation, Western States Arts Federation, the City of Portland Arts Healing Grant, and individual donors. Special thanks to our partner, Oregon Children's Theater, who co-created a mental health toolkit for this project. Get a free download of the toolkit or more info on the Speaking in Our Truths book at mediarights.org m-e-d-i-a-r-i-t-e-s dot org Order your copy of the Speaking Our Truths book at Amazon or request it at your library or school. Music for this show was composed and performed by Tomo Singh. Here is music on all platforms. The Is the Files project was produced by Demilo Roberts with Amanda Anderson and Samson Siarath. Literary Works Editor was Sandra DeHelen. Our mental health consultant is Dr. Eleanor Heal-Kashiwabara. Our engineer was Clark Salisbury, who provides additional music. This is a Meteorites production.